Last week I introduced uh, this series, The Real Christmas Carol, What the Truths of Christ Could Teach Mr. Scrooge, and uh, explained it. I was spurred on by our recent dessert theater where uh, they presented a Christmas carol. And, uh, of course, uh, it's Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. And uh, I've always enjoyed that story. I got to, to thinking, uh, you know, here's, here's someone who needs Christ. Um, what does the Scripture say to him? Uh, this uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is described this way. I'll probably read this every week because I, I just like this description. Uh, As the tight-fisted old man, Ebenezer Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. I don't know why I like that. It's just a great description. But uh, in the story, if you uh, remember, Scrooge goes home. And he is uh, first confronted by uh, the ghost of his deceased former partner. And then, uh, later in the night, uh, the ghost of Christmas past. By the way, this is not a true story. It's just a a, a play. Uh, He's distressed as he travels back. And he sees his lonely childhood. He sees times in his life when uh, he really did experience joy and, and happiness. And he also sees a lost love in his life. And for everything within him would love to go back and change the way he acted there. He's distressed by all those travels, and after this torturous encounter with uh, the ghost, he says this, Remove me. I cannot bear it. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer, I beg of you. Haunt me no longer. It seems to me, if we can kind of analyze Ebenezer Scrooge, that he had coped with his past by suppressing it. He didn't think about it most of the time until he was forced to look at it and think about it. Now, if that's where we stop with uh, this message. We might as well not have a, a message. But the Scripture does speak to that. I talk with people frequently who are dealing with their past, who are trying to figure out how to deal with it or who have a past and they're trying to suppress it in some way. They've figured out some kind of a coping mechanism, but it's not about coping mechanisms. Only the truths of Christ 
will show us a healthy and permanent way to deal with the ghosts in our past. Let's read in Philippians chapter 3, and we will read the context in a few minutes. So I'm going to pick up with verse 12. This is the Apostle Paul. And he says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, as we bow before you, all of us have a past. For some, it's enjoyable and joyful to look back. For most, there are, at the very least, painful moments or things we would rather not think about again. So today, Lord, will you, by your Spirit, apply your word to our hearts in dealing with this, that we might be haunted no longer. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to start with an, an overall truth, and that is that the unexamined life is a dangerous place to be. The unexamined life is a dangerous place to be. And not examining your life can lead us to serious implications. Uh, let me illustrate that with a passage that I use every time we take communion here. I always go to 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul says this, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, that word there, examine, means to look deep, to judge your heart, to discern it, to test it, to approve it. Um, why does he bother to say that? Evidently, we wouldn't do it if the Word of God didn't tell us to. And evidently, because he goes on to say this, if we don't do that, then we might be placing ourselves in the way of judgment. And so, we see the need for examination. Over in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, 
He says it again in a different context. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So to to live an unexamined life can, can lead us to judgment, but his, his warning here is, you need to look and see if you even know the Lord. Not just are you hiding sins or refusing to deal with sin in your life, but test and see, examine yourself. Do, you, do I really know the Lord? Do I really have a relationship with Him? Am I trusting in Christ alone for my eternal life. We move on and see what, what the past uh, can hold us back from taking hold of. Now, I read to you uh, Philippians 3.12. He says, not that I have already ob- obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made, has made me his own. And I told you we'd go back and look at the context. And that's what I, I, want, to, I want us to figure out when he says, not that I've already obtained this, what is the this that he's talking about? Well, here's what he had, had just said before he said, not that I've already obtained this. Back in verse 8. It's the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then he says, not that I've already attained this. So what's the this? Well, it's, it's not about attaining salvation because that, that would make it some kind of a work. What he's talking about is fullness in Christ. Grasping the power of the resurrection in our life. And too often, our past can hold us back. Sometimes, we spend too much time assigning blame to others. I read about a CEO who uh, was taking over a company, and the former CEO uh, said, look, I've, I have three letters, one marked one, two, and three, and uh, he said, look, any, every CEO makes mistakes, and he said, eventually you will make a mistake, 
And when you do, make your first mistake, open number one, second mistake, number two, and so on. And so things were going along fine for a while with the new CEO. And then he uh, made his first mistake. So he went back to his desk and he, he opened up the letter. And in the first letter, it said, blame me for what's going on now. So he said, well, you know, I'll give that a try. And he said, it's the former CEO. He left this in a mess, and that's all, that you know, and, and people seem to accept that. And so things smoothed out and went, went along for a while, and he made his second mistake, went back to his desk, opened it up, and it was a similar letter, but it, it, this time it said, uh, blame the board of directors. And so he tried that. He said, look, the board of directors is a mess, and uh, I'm working with them, but uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time, and that seemed to <clears throat> calm things down as well. And so things went along. Then he made his third mistake and went, went back to uh, his desk and opened the letter. And this letter said, Prepare three letters. <laughs> there is a time when you have to quit blaming. You can no longer blame others. And that's what we see here in terms of what, what can we do about our past. Philippians 3.13, this is the apostle Paul. This is what he says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So one thing you do is forget it. Now that's real easy to say. That's real hard to do. And what's it mean? Well, let me tell you, first of all, forgetting is not about memory in the Scripture. Um, I, I was going over this again this morning. I thought about, uh, you know, Connie and I are at that point where she will say, remind me to, and I will say, don't tell me to remind you because, you know, and evidently others are at that point too, Connie. So. But that's not really what the, the Scripture is uh, talking about. Um, let, me, let me give you some examples. Hebrews 10, 17, it's a quote, God, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Quoting from Jeremiah 31, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Now, God remembering our sins no more doesn't have to do with memory. It's not that it's no longer in his memory. It, that can't be the case because we know he's omniscient. He knows all things. And so if he literally put it out of his memory, there would be something in the universe that he didn't know, which would mean that he's not omniscient, and uh, that's an attribute of God. So it's, it's got to be something else when he talks about 
remembering sin no more. It's not just repressing a true memory. It's not somehow pretending those things never happened. And it's not just positive thinking. If the only forgetting you do are along those lines, then it hasn't really been dealt with. So what is forgetting? Well, think about how God remembers sin no more. It means that our our sins will no longer affect our standing with him when he says that. I forgive the iniquity and I'll remember the sin no more. For us, it's breaking decisively with the power that the past has over us. Understanding we can't alter the past, but we can put the meaning of the past in perspective. I want to give you an example here because this is how I think the Apostle Paul did it. If, If you look in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Now remember, this is Paul that talks about uh, forgetting. You know, leave it behind. But here's where I think he's putting it in perspective. Verse 12, 1 Timothy 1. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful appointing me to his service, although formerly, get it? He's talking about the past. Formerly, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy. He's putting the past in perspective. Because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. You see what, he, what happens here? Here's basically what happened. It's the same guy that said, forget it, forget your past. But he's not saying, put it out of your memory. Because here, he's actually ticking off things from his past. But what he is saying is, those very things are the things that Jesus came for and died for and removed from me to show what a great God that he is, that he could use somebody like me the foremost of sinners, and then he bursts into praise.
to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He can't stop himself. That's putting his past in perspective. Seeing that the, the God of the universe that reached down and grabbed this, this terrorist and changed him around, that just gives that God even more glory. So how can we forget the past? He says, uh, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's one aspect. We forget the past by looking toward the future. Some commentators think that this is uh, uh, the Apostle Paul is referring to the chariot races that would be very common there, you know, and picture this like, like a chariot, and they just had a small platform. And so here is the, um, they had to be athletic to just stay in the chariot on that little platform, leaning forward, straining, but going that way and not, not looking anywhere else. I know in Ben-Hur they look at each other and stuff, but I, you know, going straight ahead and straining in that direction and pressing on. That's the next verse, verse 14. We, I, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So for, for Paul, the same zeal he talked about back, way back in, in verse 6, where he talks about persecuting the church uh, in here, he's putting that zeal towards serving Christ. And so here's a question for all of us. What if we put as much effort and determination into our spiritual lives as we do in other areas? in hunting and fishing, golfing, school. Even as much emotional energy as we spend following our favorite sports team, for some of us, everyone we meet knows the team that we love to follow. Do they know who owns you? Who has bought you with the ultimate price of his own life? Let me summarize. To not be haunted by our past, we need to know and experience two things. One is forgiveness. That's where it, it has to start. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a glorious verse. But that's what dealing with the past 
That's where it's got to start. And when he forgives us, he has forgiven us. And we've got to know that. And if, if we don't believe that, then the only explanation is we're not thoroughly convinced that what he did on the cross was enough. It was enough to cover all of your sins, all of the sins of all of his people for all time. And then secondly, when we experience that forgiveness, we must know that we are not responsible for what others have done to us. We're not responsible for what others have done to us. If you're a believer, trusting in Christ alone for eternal life, you don't have to be afraid or overwhelmed by facing your past. Christ has cleansed you of your past. He has freed you from your past. And he is preparing you for your future. Thanks be to God.